Music is a powerful force that can make us laugh, it can make us dance, and of course it can even make us cry. Our favorite songs have a way of getting right under our skin, coursing through our veins, and firing up our emotional nerve center. It enhances our deepest feelings. But music doesn't only inspire us personally, but also universally. A three-minute pop song can bring people together, dissolving the boundaries of language or culture. It can make acute observations about the world around us in a language everybody can understand. And sometimes, music can even change the world. Welcome to Respect, the Woman of Atlantic, a special series here on What I'd Say, and one designed to spotlight the immense musical contributions of the legendary record label's female artists. I'm your host, Colleen Cosmo Murphy, radio broadcaster and founder of Classic Album Sundays. On this episode, I'll reveal how music continues to provoke, challenge, and ultimately motivate social change in the form of the protest song, with a contemporary artist whose own song first created ripples and then waves at the 2017 Women's March. I'm talking about Milk, and the song that gave voice to millions, Quiet. But before I speak with Milk, let's put this story into context with a quick look at the history of the protest song. Music has helped the oppressed face and defy hardship from the time Homo sapiens put words to melody long before recorded history. In any case, that's what I think must have happened, but we're not going to go back that far. Let's back up to the mid-19th century, before the advent of recorded music. When African-American slaves adopted spirituals like Come Along Moses to give them comfort and catharsis, simultaneously, the abolitionist movement produced secular songs that confronted this despicable system, such as Slavery is a Hard Foe to Battle and The Slave's Constellation. Old slavery coming, with four northern dull faces hitched up front, driving freedom to the other side of Jordan. Then take off your coats and roll up your sleeves. Slavery is a hard foe to battle. Take off your coats and roll up your sleeves. With the advent of recorded music, suddenly the protest song had a greater impact that could not only release the pressure, but increase the pressure to stimulate social change. The labor movement shed light on the class struggle with songs like Florence Reese's Which Side Are You On, Woody Guthrie's Union Burying Ground, and Pete Seeger's Solidarity Forever. And today, as the rich become richer and the poor become poorer, these songs are just as important with artists like Billy Bragg continuing to carry the torch. The fight for racial equality is one of America's, if not one of the world's, longest-running battles. And music is so essential that Atlantic Records co-founder Amit Erdogan claimed that it was a particular song that was a catalyst, calling it a declaration of war, the beginning of the civil rights movement. Black bodies swinging in the southern breeze, strange fruit hanging from the poplar trees. As the battle is far from won, 
these songs continue to play an integral role with contributions from artists of all backgrounds, including Bob Dylan with Blown in the Wind, Sam Cooke's A Change is Gonna Come, Nina Simone's Mississippi Goddamn, Public Enemies Fight the Power, through to songs that reinforce today's Black Lives Matter by artists like Janelle Monae. Say his name, Freddie Gray. Say his name, Freddie Gray. Won't you say his name? The 1960s was a decade of political turmoil and social upheaval in which a young generation idealistically strove for a better society. The counterculture opposed the war in Vietnam and they used music as their weapon. It's always the old to lead us to the wars. And as war itself still hasn't been obliterated, neither has a musical opposition. Finally, music has been a key ally of women's liberation, starting with the early 20th century suffragette movement in which women marched to songs like Rise Up Women and the Women's Battle Song. Alongside the civil rights movement in the 60s, feminism became more visible and more audible with songs like Dolly Parton's Just Because I'm a Woman, Leslie Gore's You Don't Own Me, and of course, let's not forget the song that inspired the title of this podcast series, Respect by Aretha Franklin. Women continue to challenge gender inequalities with songs like X-Ray Specs, Oh Bondage Up Yours, Bikini Kills Rebel Girl, No Doubt's Just a Girl, and most recently, Beyonce's Flawless. And as women continue to suffer from discrimination in the workplace, earning less than their male counterparts, and as females continue to be victimized emotionally, verbally, and physically in the home and outside by male partners, strangers, employers, and political leaders, it's clear there's still a lot of work to be done and more songs to be sung. These topics and more were addressed during a worldwide protest that was also the largest single-day protest in U.S. history, the 2017 Women's March. Millions of women and men around the globe took to the streets to speak out against the indiscriminate injustices that so many of us still face and that so many in power tried to keep in place. The Women's March on Washington was the largest single protest since the anti-Vietnam protests. And one of those marching was chairman and COO of Atlantic Records, Julie Greenwald. 
an artist by the name of Milk, was also inspired to head to D.C. Born Connie Lim, Los Angeles-based singer-songwriter Milk had spent the last decade gigging and crafting a series of acclaimed independent releases. When Milk headed to the Women's March, she brought along the hashtag I Can't Keep Quiet Choir of D.C., a 25-member group of diverse female vocalists who flash-mobbed the marchers with several soulful renditions of one of Milk's own songs, Quiet. If I let them hear what I have to say, I can't keep quiet. No, oh, 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 I can't keep quiet. The flash mob performances of Quiet were captured by award winning director Alma Harrell. And once she posted the footage on her Facebook, it drew over 14 million plays in just two days. By the end of the week, Milk had appeared on TBS's Full Frontal with Samantha B, and both she and her song were lauded by multiple media platforms, including The Washington Post, Rolling Stone, Vanity Fair, and NPR. I guess you could say Quiet did the exact opposite of its moniker. The song went viral, and it inspired Julie Greenwald to take action. In the midst of her busy schedule, I managed to catch up with Milk to get her take on the march, protest songs, and to find out what she's up to in the studio. Thanks so much for taking the time for a quick chat. I spoke with Julie about her experience at the Women's March, but I'd love to hear what your experience was like. The fact that it was called the Women's March, I think, helped people. Uh, it disarmed people. It was the biggest uprising of people all over the world, and there were no arrests. That's uh, unheard of. And I, I think that since the election has happened, I don't go a day without hearing a conversation about politics, whereas... The week before the election, most people did not want to have those conversations. And I think at least the people I'm surrounded by are realizing, wow, my silence has not been helping anything. And it kind of like it, it, it's almost like complacency or yeah, kind of fueling the problem by not speaking up. So your song Quiet basically became an anthem for the Women's March. Many people consider it to be a protest song. How about you? Do you think Quiet is a deeply personal song, a, a protest song, or both? I think about Quiet, and I wonder if it's a protest song or not. And for me, when I wrote Quiet in, at the end of 2015, it was my claim to my own stance with self-empowerment. I'm a um, survivor of abuse. I also had an eating disorder and growing up in a Chinese American household, um, there's a lot of the traditional upbringings where it was valued to be quiet. And it was really hard for me. I think my parents and I clashed a lot. So, you know, the song was really my own personal vendetta. Um, and now people have taken quiet into their own hands. And I think the audience is very intelligent in many ways emotionally they're going to know what the song needs to be and I think they've decided that um, some people have decided that quiet is a protest song while others have decided like for me it's a very private you know song to self-empower so that we can become better people for society. Did you grow up listening to any protest songs? Did any artists inspire you? Oh yes of course Aretha's Respect, um, Bob Dylan, 
Bob Marley. Um, I think about Bob Marley a lot because he was able to influence people in a really positive and uniting way while also stating his own personal opinions. But his music itself was so powerful that it transcended his own personal beliefs. For me, I'm hoping that I can do the same. In the current political and social milieu, it seems that protest songs have just as significant a role as they did in the 60s. What do you think? Uh, When I listen to Aretha or Nina Simone, different uh, female artists that were really pushing the envelope and speaking their truth during a time where it was probably less easy and a little more scary. Um, I, I really look up to them. Even like say three years ago, say this movement of protest wasn't here. You know, everything changed, I think, this year. And so even just three years ago, there were things that activists from the 60s would say, like they would talk a lot about self-care or they would, the certain quotes, I didn't quite understand why they said certain things. But now that we're going through this movement of resistance, I understand why, um, you know, these figures of protest kept encouraging people rest, make sure you rest, don't wear yourself out, because that's really important for us now, too. Um, So I I'm definitely learning morsels of wisdom from them uh, more so this year than I was even three years ago. Now, we know it's great to create awareness and spotlight these issues with music, but does it actually change anything? I mean, do protest songs actually mobilize people? When the song first went viral, I almost felt this guilt. I was like, that's really cool that my song went viral, but am I doing anything? Am I like actually, is there solid action behind? And I had to think it through. This woman who's been a a social activist organizer for 25 years, she helped rally the Walmart employees to get higher wages. She found me online and she's like, I want to talk to you. And I told her about this guilt I had. Yeah. And so now she's one of my mentors, Marianne uh, Manilov. And I told her about my, like this sense of guilt or confusion. And she said, look, there's movements and then there are actions. Movements are emotional based and they're supposed to spark people and it goes towards political or economic action. So they're actually hand in hand and they need to be together. Um, And I do think that the song, like just from the messages that I've received from new fans, and I call them my brothers and sisters now, and what they've been sharing with me is that this song is igniting action from them for their own lives from one boy who came out to his family and is now blossoming and I kind of see on his Instagram Instagram account because I'm friends with him now that he's kind of owning who he is and he's so beautiful and then this woman who was raped by a family member who eventually came out to her family but these are personal moves but when people make personal moves to liberate themselves it like is one step closer to those people being able to make big moves. I'm in society because for myself, when I had low self-esteem and low confidence and I saw that the world needed help, I wasn't thinking I should do something. I was waiting for someone to do something for me. But if I take leadership with my own life, then I'm practicing leadership for my community. That's what I truly, I'm hoping that's what could happen. One of the stories that really sticks out for me is a story about a woman in um, 
Thailand. So she is a nurse, and um, in Thailand, there's a lot of refugees. The government actually is like burning uh, villages out of their homelands because they, they there are other financial motives, and so there's a lot of refugees in southern Thailand. Because she is a nurse, she trains local village kids to take heart rates and listen to like get like blood pressure numbers and stuff so she calls them her little doctors and she wanted to go to southern thailand where there's a huge refugee camp with tens of thousands of people and she's like i want to go help and her brothers said you know it's not safe for a woman to travel by herself to the south like we don't think you should go and so she didn't go um, obviously very discouraged and frustrated at how the system works and how, why it's not safe for a woman. Then one of her friends, um, who is an activist who moved out to Thailand to help, she played her my song. And after she heard the song, she asked, she saw the video from the Women's March. She's like, what are those pink hats? And um, the activist told her about the story of the pussy hats and the story of the song. And she said, well, First of all, I'm going to be knitting a hat. And second of all, I'm going. I'm going to southern Thailand. So then the next, I don't know, maybe the next week she told her brothers, if you disagree with me going, then you guys have to come with me because I'm going regardless. And so that's so cool to see that um, songs and like these ideas um, can motivate people to take charge of their own, their own destiny. And you also took matters into your own hands and ensured the song helped change people's lives in a concrete way by donating a portion of the profits to a charity. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, yeah. We donated 10 to 15% of the um, profits to Step Up. And Step Up was an organization that I found before the song went viral when I was just a struggling DIY artist. Um, I wanted to find a local um, nonprofit that I really believed in. Step Up is a um, national organization that has branches all over the country. And what they do is they recruit girls from ages 13 to 18 who are of at-risk communities and low-income families. And they put them into these monthly and sometimes weekly uh, mentorship programs and because Step Up staff is highly connected these are some of like the more powerful women in Hollywood they gather like successful women to come and teach these girls about their careers and and um, if the girls graduate from the program they're guaranteed a paid internship it's great to like give them the opportunity um, because you know some of these girls um, I spent time uh, with some of these mentorship days where you can go and volunteer and spend a day with one of the girls and you know as the day went on it was revealed how how poor her family was and it made me so happy because during that day we were like exposing the girls to um, mentors who taught coding and had taught the importance of coding and you know law and business marketing what's marketing and different things like that so they're doing real work on the ground and you know the community that formed around quiet the song um people formed real like face-to-face communities and that's what step up does step up forms these face-to-face communities and that's what I'm really excited about in the age of the cell phone and the the computer I I think I'm really obsessed with like how do we get people off the computers and together again do you think musicians are obligated to help people I think that artists are responsible for never turning away from the world and to always showing up and becoming that like open nerve and even though sometimes it hurts and it's intense we're supposed to 
express the feelings that we feel when we're observing our real life environments. So if some people are naturally going to, like you said, just expose that political side of things. Um, For me, I'm a Chinese American woman. So my perspective is naturally going to be a little bit political because I have a very specific point of view that can give voice to a lot of women that don't have a voice right now or and men to a culture. Um, so I think it naturally happens. But I also have to be responsible for being true and not being too strategic about what I'm trying to do. I remember when quiet went viral. And then I got a couple of like co writers who are like, Oh, my gosh, now we should write more like movement songs. And I immediately got a little stressed out because I was like, I don't think it happens that way. I don't want to like purposefully try to write a movement song, one that feels kind of cheesy. And with songs, I can't force it. But if I'm going to, I'm continually reading the news, even though sometimes it hurts and I don't want to. And I'm sure it's going to affect my writing somehow. It's already affecting like the different words I want to use and like the different themes that I'm obsessing over, but it has to feel honest. Now you've been quoted as saying feminism is pop. Some people may take that in an insincere way, but I can see that's really not the case. It's interesting. When I read that quote um, in bold in the article, you know, my body heated up a little bit. I was like, you know, and people might misinterpret what what that means, but hopefully they read into it more. Um, Right now, the movement of women taking back some power and taking the megaphone to voice our opinions is happening at a scale that I've never seen in my lifetime. I've been able to read about like the suffrage movement. I've been able to read about the civil rights movement. Um, and like, but now I think what women are doing is we're voicing our concerns about the abuse of power specifically. And I think the whole Me Too movement is addressing the abuse of power using one's position to um, hurt others while doing a personal gain. And I think that's becoming the forefront of focus because it is the um, parallel to the different forms of abuse of power that we're seeing all over, not just sexually, but also with politics and with finances. And it's happening all over. And I think this is the first step towards um, a reimagination of what society could be. The beast that cries my name Flicker into a flame Into a raging fire I can't contain Milk CP, This Is Not The End, may not feature a protest song per se, but she's proven with quiet that with the current political landscape, songs that challenge the system are still relevant. Even Milk's song Black Sheep resonates on a deep level, and her songs can empower people, both personally and socially, giving them hope and impetus to motivate change within themselves and beyond. I'm Colleen Cosmo Murphy, and thank you for listening to Respect, the Women of Atlantic, a special series here on What I'd Say. I hope you enjoyed my snapshot history of the protest song and how Milk has taken it into the 21st century. 